Thank you so much, Marlies. Really lovely, as always, to be here. And here we are at the start of 2018. Uh, Gohan made the point this morning that uh, it's our first prayer meeting. Uh, I don't know how you feel, but it's, it feels like we've, we've uh, perhaps already started, some of us. But yet this is. This is the first, first service, the first get-together of 2018. The year lies ahead of us. And I don't know how you're feeling as you sit here, but um, I'm sure there's some they're mixed emotions as you and I look into everything that this year holds. Perhaps some of you, most of you, I don't know, probably going to start your, 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 your jobs tomorrow, get in the car, drive that now not-so-familiar route into the office. Maybe you're sitting there with butterflies, and tomorrow and tonight when you go to sleep, you're thinking, wow, look at all that lies ahead. Is it going to be the same year as last year? Is it going to be uh, a similar year? And I'll tell you one thing, friends. I'm quite sure of one thing. It's going to be a busy year this year as much as it was last year. That's probably not going to change. It's probably going to be a busy year. It's going to be a fast, maybe furious, but certainly a fast and a full year this year as it was and it always has been. And I'm just so surprised as, not surprised, in a way not surprised, but so many people. I ask, how was your year last year? What was it, what was it like? And everybody, most people have said, Wow, it's, a, it's been a tough year. It's been a hard year last year. Most people would also have said to me, and how quickly last year went. I cannot believe, maybe it's only because I'm the ripe old age that I am, uh, that it seems to be going faster and faster. But the years do, for me, certainly seem to have been going so fast. Most people I've asked have said that. It seems to be so fast. It's going to be the same as we look at the year ahead. And I sat and just thought about some of these things over Christmas, over this period. And I must say, as a, as a teacher in the school, probably like never before, I really looked forward to this December holiday. And I know that was, the, that was the, the talk in the staff room a lot. Wow, you know, if we can just get to the end of 2017 and get to the holiday, it's going to be great. I'm going to relax and I'm going to enjoy myself. And I love Christmas. Personally, I love this Christmas period. I really do. And I know it's not historically, perhaps... Well, not perhaps, not historically the right day on which to celebrate Jesus being born. But nevertheless, I know there's some pagan influences that have come into our celebrations, but yet I love Christmas because of what it stands for, that Jesus came to earth to be born here so that we could have life. And I love this period. But even as I look back at this period now, and I'm like you looking into 2018, even Christmas has gone pretty quickly. Even New Year has flown by. And I sat in my room, uh, luckily, I think it was a lovely way I felt to end the, the, the year and listen to the sounds and the sights and the, of, of New Year and the New Year celebrations. It was really like a, it, was, it did something to me, just listening to the cacophony of noise. I, we're lucky enough in our area where we live, we don't have that, they don't allow fireworks. You're not allowed to have, you know, fireworks going off all around. Where we used to stay was something completely different. But still where I was this, this, this year or, or last year at the end, just the noises all around and people shouting deliriously and making no sense and ah, just loud. It was the absolute opposite for me of peace. I think of what peace means and I listen to those celebrations. People shouting as if they're shouting from somewhere deep inside of them, but meaningless shouting and just loud noise. For me, it was disturbing. It really was the opposite to me of peace, the exact opposite. But that's come and gone as well, hasn't it? So New Year 
has also gone. And here we, sta- here we sit waiting and thinking about back to the routine, many of us, of our lives in 2018. And if you are sitting there that feeling some of that angst this morning, just uncertainty, maybe, wow, how am I going to get through this year? How am I going to settle down to the routine? It's rather boring or back to the normality of life. I hope this morning I'll just be able to share a few things. I was reading just, 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 just over this Christmas period, just from, from John 6. It was about Jesus talking to the, to, to the crowd and, and, and the feeding of the 5,000. And out of that, I, I, I got things that spoke to me and spoke hope to me for this year ahead. And so I trust that as I, as I share some of those things, and they're not directly on the subject, but yet I felt encouraged that we would go into 2018 and walk out of, out, of the, out of this place this morning and actually feel a sense of excitement and, 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 and feel a little more exhilarated about 2018, just from God's perspective. So that's what I'm hoping that this morning God would do in your hearts, because He's done that in my heart as I've prepared for this, for this preach. So that's, that's what I hope God will deposit in our hearts, a sense of excitement. And as I, as, I, as I conclude maybe this introduction, just to say, it also strikes me so, so strongly that, that if I think of Jesus being born back in those days, Jesus was not born. Our Christianity, if you like, didn't start in the situation of, of the thunder and the fireworks and the spectacular. That's not how Jesus came into the earth, was it? Remember the story of, that we've just thought about so much over Christmas. Jesus was born in a stable. He was born in very humble, ordinary circumstances. There wasn't a great fun, you know, fanfare about his arrival. There wasn't news broadcast, not only because they didn't have it, but because they just didn't do it. They didn't, they did, there was no announcement of great, well, in a way there was, but many didn't see it, the star in the sky. But he was born in a simple stable. That's how our Christianity started. That's how it was birthed. And it was birthed at a time when, politically, if you like, if you looked at what was going on in the world, Herod was killing firstborn, the firstborn. There was an, something that went out for the annihilation of, of every, of every young, young baby. And as we sit here in 2018, and I think of our Christianity, the way that we continue with Christmas, because Christmas, as we know, has not ended, has it? It's ended in our celebration but not the meaning of Christmas. We have to take the, 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 the message of Christmas out into 2018 and live out our faith as it was intended to be lived out. And where is that, my friends? In the everyday things that you and I do. When we get into that car tomorrow and we head off to, the, to where we work and we do our thing at work and we get back home to our families, that's the ordinary life in that arena that God has asked you and I to live out our faith. The same way that it was born in the everyday life, when, when things were going badly and Herod was, was killing all the first, firstborn, where, where things are in the headlines that you and I are going to read about and continue to read about what is our government doing, what is Mr. Trump doing, whatever. There, it's in those circumstances. This is where Jesus wants you and I to live victorious lives. That's where he wants us to make a difference. And I hope just in sharing some things this morning, that would be my emphasis. How do you and I lay hold of what Jesus has for us in our everyday lives as we start this year? And I trust he will stir your hearts to feel more exhilarated about this year ahead.
So New Year's resolutions then, I don't have to go into, other than if this sparks a resolution or a decision to live that way. And I've heard some funny resolutions before I jump into what I want to share. You've heard some, I'm sure, over this last period that have made you, made you laugh and some make you cringe. I'm going to share one that was a friend of Laney's, old friend of hers from Zimbabwe. How's this for a resolution? He said, he was looking back at 2017, and he said, my resolution, he wrote this somewhere, and Laney read it out to me, probably on Facebook. He said, he said, my resolution for 2017 was to lose 10 kilograms of weight. And yay, as I stay, say, start at the beginning of 2000, yay, I've only got 14 kilograms to go. That was his great summary of the year past and the year to come. But I'm sure we will be hopefully a bit more enthused than that. So my friends, the first thing that I wanted to do was just give you a brief, then I can't read it out, it's too long, but I said to you from, from John 6, the story of Jesus and, 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 and the feeding of the 5,000. The story, just briefly, it's an, it's an account of what happened, was that Jesus was out teaching, there were crowds, huge crowds following him, 5,000 following Jesus. And he looked up and saw the crowds coming and, and knew and just was stirred by the fact that they would be hungry, physically hungry for food. And he then turned to, to Philip at the time and said, how are we going to feed these people? And the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, the five loaves and two fishes was that Jesus turned those two things into enough food to feed that 5,000 and have much left after. Thereafter, Jesus, it says, was tired and he got into, walked off and found a solitary place where he could be with the Father up on a mountain. Later, the disciples then get into a boat and they sail across to Capernaum. Uh, and, and Jesus, remember, joins them. As they are rowing across the lake to Capernaum, Jesus walks across the water and, be, and joins them on the boat. And, and you, you remember that, that that caused great, great, I would say, angst amongst the disciples when they saw Jesus walking across the water. And then they get to Capernaum, and the crowd that was with them the day before, where the 5,000 were fed, come and find Jesus, look for him. And they find him, and he begins to talk to them more about the fact that he is the bread of life. He's just fed, the, fed them, turned the five loaves into enough food to feed them. And he begins to speak to them, Jesus, in, in the rest of John 6, about I, Jesus, am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hungry, will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never thirst. And he encourages them that they've got to eat his flesh, if you like, and drink his blood. He is the bread of life. And that's the background to, to some of the points that I want to to speak about this morning. So the first point, to go back to that situation of Jesus feeding the crowd. Now, we all know the story, but I find it so fascinating that he turns to Philip, Jesus, when he sees the crowd, and he says to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people? Where shall we buy bread for these people? And it says that Jesus knew, in the very next verse, it says Jesus knew exactly where he was going to get the bread from, but he asked Philip the question so that he could test him, so that he could test him. And what was he testing? I'm sure it was his faith, testing Philip's faith. Saying to him, Philip, you see the need, you see all these people. Where do you think we're going to get the food to feed these people? Stretch your faith, Philip. He encouraged Philip to stretch his faith. And Philip then has to consider that question. The next, the next step is that Andrew, one of the other disciples, calls Jesus to the fact the attention to the fact that there's a, a boy with, with these five loaves and two fishes. And they bring that to Jesus and they say, well, 
we, here's five loaves and two fishes. I know there's 5,000 people, but th- you can see the process taking place. Jesus has stretched their faith to begin to see him in a different way. To be able to look to Jesus, look at their circumstances, and begin to believe and see something different in Jesus. That Jesus could actually maybe, perhaps, take these five loaves and two fishes and feed. Is it possible? They began to stretch their faith. Jesus began to, to do that in them. And I've re- I really felt as we go into 2018, and remember, I'm feeling that God's questioning me on how do I live my life out every day. Every day, I believe, Jesus would say to us as we sit here, are you in that place where you can stretch your faith? Are you, are, you, are you able to give me that room in your life to stretch your faith? What is it that you need to have faith for as you sit here and 2018 begins? Stretch your faith the way Philip had to stretch his faith. And I, I believe it is to do with believing in God. Right in the beginning in, in, in John 6, 29, when they asked Jesus about, how did you get here, they say to Jesus, because they knew that he didn't get in the boat. And he says to him, oh, that's fine. And he sort of goes, he ignores that question in a way. And he says, you've just come to look for me, I know, because you've been filled. Because you, you ate of the bread and, you, and the, need of, the need of yours was satisfied. But he says to them, you must not seek or labor for, for, for food or bread that, will, that can, can go stale. But you need to be seeking the, the, the word that the Son of God gives, which leads to eternal life. And they say to him, what is this? work that we need to do. And and Jesus says the work of God is to believe in the one whom he has sent. John 6, 29. So I know that you're sitting here and you say, I do believe. I just say and feel strongly. I felt it for myself. But what do you believe? Do you believe Jesus for the impossible? Do you believe him for the, do I believe him for the impossible for this year? God is stretching our faith for us to do that this year. And then I can't Ignore the fact that, that Jesus looked at possessions. He looked at what was in the hands of that small boy. The disciples brought that to him and said, well, there's a boy here with five loaves and two fishes. And I really believe that God would want you and I to consider what he's given you, what he's given me. What possessions do you have that he can use? And many of us I know, I, f- I think there is something of this in the church. Where, where, we, where many of us feel inadequate. We feel we don't have the possessions that God can use. You, you don't have the eloquence of a Brandon or Johan that can preach. You don't have the wisdom of a Trevor or of a Trevlin or others in this congregation. But I believe God is saying, He wants to multiply the possessions that you have. Do you have faith? How many of you have faith sitting here this morning? Raise your hands if you have a faith in Jesus. And I'm not trying to embarrass those that may not. Yes, many of us, most of us. You've got that. That's what you possess. You possess a faith. It may be a faith that's five loaves and two fishes small, but you possess a faith. Jesus would say to you, give me that small faith and allow me to multiply it. Allow me to make that faith bigger and bigger, not for your good necessarily, but for the advancement of my kingdom. Do you know how exhilarating it's going to be? My friends, in 2018... If God were to take the faith that you have, the talent that you have, the finances that you have. Maybe you say, but I can't really contribute because I have my finances. Take what you've got. Give that to God, your possession, and see him multiply those this year. And I believe, my friends, honestly I do, 
that will be such an exhilarating year if we're able to take those, that if we're able to drop the mentality of not being good enough and leaving what God has for this church and for the world, and if we leave it in the hands of the so-called super-Christians, there, there is no such thing. But just in case there is that in us that thinks, I can't do it, God would say to us, allow me to multiply whatever possessions are in your hands. Amen. Wonderful. And then can I just say, again, in terms of, and it's a, bit, it's a point, I know there's many points under this. By the way, if you wanted to give a heading to that first point, it would have been paradigm shift, I guess. There's a whole lot of P's involved here. But another paradigm shift for me that God, that we see in this passage of Scripture is that, as I've hinted, that we need to see Jesus differently. Came up in the prayer meeting this morning, and I was so, so chuffed, and I think it even came up in one of the words this morning. How do you see Jesus? How do I see Jesus? One of the most incredible testimonies that I have of last year personally in my life is God doing exactly that, giving me an understanding and a revelation of Him that I never had before. And I know when I started the, as principal at the school, I, 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 I know, as, that's, that's the testimony I just can't help speaking about, that, that I knew what it was. I've been a Christian for a long time. I know what that means. I've read it, that we need to trust God. But I didn't really know what it meant to trust God. I didn't really know that. And God took me, took me to that place this year when I really had to understand a new revelation of what it means to trust Him. How many of you know Clive, Clive um, Kirsten from, he's now in Holland. Many of you do. He used to be in this church for a long, long time. He led our church in, in, in Boxburg or the church in Boxburg for many years. I had a chance to spend much time with him over this December time as well. And, and Clive was telling me about exactly the same thing. He said, you know, Terry, I can't believe what this last year has been like. He ended up driving a bulldozer in Holland. That's what he did. In the snow and the hardship there, driving a bulldozer. And he said never in his life has, have he and his family ever had to trust God the way they've had to trust him last year. And I was able to say to him, but I know exactly what you're talking about. And I know that as you sit here, you know things, and as I do, academically about Jesus. I know that Jesus saves. I know that Jesus forgives. I know that Jesus is the one whom I should... I should, I should hang on to and trust. But I, I, I want to suggest to you this morning, ask God to give you a personal revelation of something different about Him in this year. I really know He'll do that. Another example, I, just that word El Roy, there's a name that describes God in the Old Testament. It's a story of Hagar when, uh, when she gave birth to Ishmael. And, and there was a fallout between Sarah and Hagar, and Sarah chased her away, and she's in the desert in a place where where, where, where her, her baby Ishmael is dying. And he, she cries out to God and God answers her and shows her where there's a well. It's in Genesis 16 verse 13. And the word that she uses of God is El Roy. God sees me. God who sees me. And I know that scripture became so real to me this year. The long, I, I can't go into it. It's probably not enough time. But that, how that became a special word for me. That spoke to me personally. What does God want to show you this year about himself that he's never shown or to a degree that you've never experienced? May I ask you to seek him for that this year? I promise you, your life, your Christian walk will, will, will gain such momentum when God does that in your life, and I know he wants to. Now, friends, the other thing that strikes me about this passage is is how incredibly practical Jesus is. 
going back to the situation where Jesus is walking, imagine 5,000 people following you as you are ministering somewhere. And yet Jesus, who is on earth with a mission to tell them more about the things of God. He's there to tell them about, about the kingdom. He's there to teach them about salvation in Jesus alone and nobody else. He is the Son of God himself. He's got, he's got weighty things on his mind that are going to affect not only that generation, but every generation. He wants to tell them that he is the living God, that their lives should be changed and can change. And what is the first thing he does as he sees them approaching? He turns to Philip and says, how are we going to feed them physically? I'm always finding that astounding. God, Jesus knew and cared about their physical needs. He didn't just know about their need for prayer and, and, and salvation. He knew and cared about their physical needs, the practical side of their lives. And so I also just, just, just ask you to, to think about that for your own lives, for your own lives this year. Those things that maybe you don't think that Jesus would ever be interested in. I'm telling you, because I, he's spoken to me about those things. There are things that he is concerned about, and they're not the super, super, super spiritual things. You may sit here and be, be worrying about your weight. You, you, I mean, there's many things I could mention. You, you, sitting here, you've been worried for years about the fact that you don't fit in. I go to work, and you may feel, but I, I just don't feel like I fit there, or, or, or whatever it is. I, I, I lack confidence when I'm with people. Do you think God cares about those things? Yes, He does. He cares about those things. He cares that they were hungry physically. This isn't a passage about Jesus speaking about poverty because God has the poor very close to His heart. This is not about that. I mean, they may have been very rich people that were there that day. They might, they might all have had food at, back at home. This isn't about poverty. It's about on that very day, as they were before Him, they were hungry. And Jesus said, let's do something about it. So, my friends, can I encourage you? It's part of your prayer life this morning. Whatever those little things are, those things that are, that are seemingly insignificant, bring those to God as well this year and see what God does because He cares. Trevor spoke a couple of weeks ago about our, the love of God. What did Jesus do? He showed the extent of His love by caring for the practical needs of people. Isn't that wonderful? I hope that makes you feel, give you a bit of hope for those things that you battle with. And then, my friends, thirdly, purpose and presence. God's purpose in our lives as I read this, these passages. Can I read just a few of them uh, again and just give you a sense of what Jesus said? Remember I said when they came to me, he began to speak to them about how I, Jesus, am the bread of life. You need to be eat of me and drink of my blood. I am the only one who will satisfy you. The bread that Moses gave you in the desert or to those will never satisfy. But I am Jesus. I am He, the living God. Come to me. This is, I'm going to read some of the passages and then take some points out of that. Jesus said, if we read from verse 32, 632, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you that bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. From the bread of God... For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. From 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. 
And so it goes on. He, he, he repeats that thing a lot that he himself is the only one who satisfies us. He is the one. He is the bread of life. I tell you the truth from verse 47. He who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. And then from verse 53. I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. And so, my friends, the purpose that we have in, 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 that comes through, our purpose in Jesus, the purpose that you'll feel for your life when we understand that we, that Jesus alone is the one who sustains us, gives us such purpose. And so I ask you, and I ask myself, what is your life actually full of? What is my life full of? What, what do I do every day when I get, a, get up in the morning and go to work? What is 2018? I've said it's going to be busy and full, but what is it going to be full of? And I've always struggled with this in a way because I know that in our busyness and our everyday lives is exactly, as I said in the beginning, where Jesus wants us to have victory. It's in our everyday lives where Jesus needs to be shown through our lives. And how do we do that when it's so busy? There's passages like 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that I've always, I've always grappled with. The one that says, be joyful always, pray continually, and be grateful always. How do we pray continually? I mean, we have a bad rap as a church in, some, in non-Christians' eyes about some of the strange things we do. Imagine if we walked around praying continuously. Imagine if all of you every day in the shopping malls and we, we just mumbled all day to ourselves. Praying continuously, mumble, 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 mumble. People would say, oh, that guy's a Christian. How do you know he's a Christian? But look, he never stops talking. He just talks all the time. He must be a Christian. So it's difficult, this thing, to pray continually. But I do feel that there's something in this. I mean, those passages speak of that. Speak of the fact that Jesus alone will satisfy. We've got to eat and remain in him always. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me. There's never a time when he's not in me. And how do we do that? And I know just a couple of things as I, as I, as I end off that Jesus, that I've, I've felt have helped me this year in that. One of them is to, is to get to ask God every day before I go off to work, Lord, will you show me those times when you've intervened in my day? And, I, and I, it's been so encouraging for me. And, as, it, and as, as I've asked him to do that, I find myself not saying something that I would normally have said, but I've held my tongue, and the Holy Spirit reminds you, there, I've just intervened, where before you would have blurted something out. Or I'm driving in the car, and suddenly I know there was a close shave as somebody nearly came through a robot, and I stopped. And the Holy Spirit says to me, see, there I am, with you. I was with you. I've had that it's found that so enriching in my life last year. It gives purpose to my life. I understand that he is in me. I eat of him and drink of him and I'm satisfied, but I'm in him. And by doing that, I remain in him always, every day. The other thing that I know I found great pleasure in is to be able to every day ask, ask God to remind me of things that I should be grateful for. Well, try that this year. As you end your day, if you can, every day, and say, Lord, what can I give thanks to you today for, for that happened today? It's the same sort of thing. And you find yourself thanking God for, 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 for being alive, for having the opportunity to go to work, for, for being able to speak into this person's life. And again, what happens is we, 
it reinforces the fact that we are in Him, that He is our bread that we eat on every day. And there's purpose and there's, and there's, and there's security in living our lives that way. So my friends, as I finish off, just some points. The greatest thing that Jesus ever did that also comes through here is that he died on the cross for us as I finish off. Comes through in this passage where he says, the bread is my flesh which I give to you so that you might have life. Jesus is talking about his death on the cross where he died for us so that we might have life. That's the greatest thing that Jesus has ever done is to give his life for us. And if you're sitting here this morning as I, as I, as I end off, and you don't know what I'm talking about and have never understood or even accepted that Jesus has died on the cross. He's given his flesh, as he says in this passage, so that you and I, our sins, may be paid for. We have pardon, the last P. We have pardon in him. And that you and I, as we sit here, God has said, I don't see any sin in you because I've died for you on the cross, paid the penalty for your sin, that you might now live victoriously every day in every circumstance of your life. It's an incredible thing that God has done. And so may I just say also, if you don't know Jesus and you've never had that opportunity to say, thank you, Lord, for taking away my sin so that I can live with you and, and feed off you every day, my sustenance, and you've never made that confession and ask, thank Jesus for dying for you, please don't leave this place before I or somebody else is able to pray for you and introduce you to the one who wants to fill your life in every way every single day of 2018. So my friends, there's an exciting year ahead of us. Let's allow our, our bread to be the bread that, of the living God, Jesus. I in him and he in me every single day in 2018. Amen. Thank you.